Welcome to Laugh It Up Fuzzball. I am Joe the Wookie Riot. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about life, the universe, and everything, but mostly geek stuff. A place where we get to let our geek flag fly and talk about all things geek. As I've said before, this isn't an amalgamation of geek news or a comprehensive guide to all genres or the world of geekdom. Hopefully it's just a fun place to cover some geek news, comics, The Simpsons, Star Wars, and whatever randomness finds its way on the recording. But let us get started. Well, hey, howdy, hey, friends. Welcome to Level 81 of Laugh It Up Fuzzball. Wookie popping by. Yes, I know. It's Friday. Where have you been, Wookie? I've been busy. I've been doing all sorts of stuff. But you know what? I uh, Lots of crazy life. But somehow I found some time here at, on a Friday to finally get an episode up. But it's not completely bad news because last week you got two episodes and one of them came out on a Friday. So you haven't even waited a whole week, friends. Haven't even waited a whole week. And, and by golly... It's good to be here talking to you about all of this geeky stuff. But where to begin? I'll start at the start. That's what my grandpa used to always tell me. So let's get into it. We got Flavor of the Geek. And we're, I just want to start off with Flavor right away. Just with throwing out into the Cosmic Universe some thoughts and prayers to Kevin Smith. If you did not hear, Kevin Smith had a major heart attack last Saturday or Sunday, I believe. He actually had a complete blockage of the artery that they call the Widowmaker. And thankfully, thank goodness, he he got to a hospital and they got it fixed. And he's alive. I actually listened to a podcast today, if you're a fan of Ralph Garman, on his Ralph Report podcast. There was a free interview, half of an interview. The other half will be out on Monday, all with Kevin Smith, all about what happened. And my, my thoughts and prayers just go out to him. I think... Uh, yeah, I think he's amazing. I really like everything that Kevin Smith does, and I like him still being in the world. And he always says on his podcast how he wants to stay alive for all the geeky stuff that's out there in the world. And now he can. He can live a little bit longer, and we can all enjoy his presence. So just just wanted to start off right there, Kevin Smith, to somebody who I really enjoy, somebody who I haven't really met and talked to, but I've gotten to at least be in the same room, ask a question, say nice things to, and always, always seems like a great guy. So there we go. But... Like he said, stay alive for all this geeky stuff in the world, and that's that's what we do every day. We take another breath, and hopefully we enjoy how the geek have inherited the earth. And that just gets us in all the geeky stuff to talk about. Believe it or not, I actually made an attempt to lump together news by topic this week, meaning DC and then Marvel and then whatever. And, you know, just my little attempt to make this podcast more concise for y'all. No promises of future organization, but since I gave myself a little extra time this week, I figured I'd take a little bit of time to make this podcast extra special for you. Now, isn't that special? So special. So, so special. And the first news we're going to talk about, DC. If you didn't see on the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs Facebook group, I put up an honest trailer for the Justice League movie. Wow. It, it's pretty funny. Uh, it's uh, actually I can't think off the top of my head who are the guys that do it. The, the Honest trailers are always so great, and uh, the Honest trailer for Justice League did not disappoint. If you're looking for a good laugh, it's there. And there's a not so subtle plug for the Facebook group, the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs Facebook group. Go enjoy yourself and enjoy all of the geeky stuff. I try to put up some geeky stuff for everybody on there, and hopefully you all enjoy it. Yeah, sounds like a good thing to me. In the DC World 2, we have uh, just some more bad luck for those poor guys. I heard a rumor that the next movie after Shazam was going to be Flashpoint and then Batgirl. But last Thursday, news broke that Joss Whedon has actually left the movie as he really didn't have a story. I sort of find that hard to believe. That's that's the guy behind Buffy the Vampire and the Avengers movie. I think he probably could come up with a story. 
also think that they might want to be leaving room because there there is a little bit of, of rumor about some stuff in the background of Joss Whedon. Also, just, you know, it, it's sort of a world where you would have a female director or a female screenwriter write the background movie. That's just the, the world we live in. That's the way everything is right now. And, and that's what you sort of believe. But then you actually see on Twitter that Roxanne Gay, the writer of Black Panther a while back, and then Hope Larson, who is the current writer of the Batgirl comic, threw their names into the rings for Batgirl. And then the DC executive producer, Michelle Wells, responds and is like, well, here's my email address that I'm putting on Twitter for the entire world to see. Email me if, if you want to talk about it. And you're like, first off, wow, that's, that's sort of desperate, like Michelle Wells. And, and second off, don't you know how the internet works? Did you really just put your email out there for everybody to see? Ugh, probably not the best idea. But that, that, so <laughs> the whole point is we don't know. We have no idea. It really could be, could Joss Whedon just not have figured out a way to crack Batgirl? Like he was really excited he wanted to do it and he couldn't. And he stepped down. Could it be that they want a female director? Could it be that this is all just hogwash and all theater and dramatics and they really know the way they want to go? Although, Michelle Wells, even if it is dramatics, don't put your email out there on the Twitter. Don't do it. Like, I'll tell people my email is laughingatfuzzballpodcast at gmail.com. But that's the email to my podcast, Michelle Wells. That's not like my, my work email. I guess it is my work email, but I don't get paid, so it's not really work. So I don't know how it works. Hmm. While I think about that, other news, uh, if you didn't hear, actually, apparently Aquaman had a test screening and the results were, were enormously positive. People really enjoyed it and people did say that they got to see the orange and green suit. Whoa, maybe there's a good movie coming. <laughs> James Wan is a director that a lot of people like. He's a horror director. I don't really watch a lot of horror movies, but hey, we'll, we'll see how he does with a superhero movie. And, uh, and Jason Momoa... Who that honest trailer will always have me thinking of as Bro Sidon, King of the Brosian. I really enjoyed his character in the Justice League movie. Even though it wasn't the best movie I ever saw, I enjoyed his Aquaman. So sure, I want to see the Bro Sidon movie. We also got uh, Chris McCabe. I talked about him before that he uh, was working on a Nightwing movie. Even though he's working on other stuff, he says that he's still committed to DC film. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Chris McCabe, you did not hear, is actually... Uh, connected to a Dungeons and Dragons movie so yeah uh, it means he'll be doing his uh, Dungeons and Dragons movie before he does does that but you know that, that's okay that's 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 a-okay right isn't that okay for the for the Nightwing director to do to do the uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie and apparently still really wants to do his Nightwing movie so he'll just come back later and that's what he'll do yeah 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 that sounds 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 like a lot of fun, uh, but I guess uh, that whole Dungeons and Dragons movie is uh, Paramount and Hasbro. They have a, a production company called Allspark Productions because it's clever. But that Dungeons and Dragons movie actually has like a 23 July 2021 release date, and that's crazy cuckoo pants, and uh, it makes it sound like that's actually going to be happening. So we'll be we'll be waiting a little while, I suppose, before we get for get our Chris McKay directed Nightwing movie. That doesn't mean. That you won't be getting that movie elsewhere. There's other news. Henry Cavill actually said to some site that he wants to re-up his Superman contract. And I say yes. And whatever you do, don't let him at the same time be working on a movie where he has to have a mustache. That's all I'm saying. Uh, to make sure that his stiff upper lip is completely un or shorn or mustacheless. I don't know. I must ask you a question about this. But please, please, please just make sure... 
He doesn't do any synonymous mustache movies. We have some casting uh, for The Titan Show, which is going to be on DC streaming service. Jake Michaels was cast as Cliff Steele, a.k.a. Robot Man. And the reason that's just exciting is that's another Doom Patrol character that they've cast for the Titans movie. So it seems real. Titans and Doom Patrol together. How do you feel about it? Hopefully good. And and DC's hoping hoping, that's not a word. That's when happening and hope happens together. And that's that's a whole different thing. But what they're hoping is that uh, that it gets you excited enough that you'll spend that money on that DC streaming service. And I, I don't know if I'm at that level where I'll do it. You know, I didn't spend money on the Star Trek Discovery. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what they offer and whether whether I can just borrow somebody else's access. Maybe. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that out loud on the interwebs on my podcast. I would pay for it if I watched it. Sure, I would. Also, if you didn't hear, apparently Cheetah might be the villain in the next Wonder Woman movie and Wonder Woman 2. And then there was a big wallop that Patty Jenkins has been eyeing Kristen Wiig for the role. Wow, is it going to be a comedic role? Are they going to be allowing Kristen Wiig to like do something serious and dramatic beyond like trying to be the serious Ghostbusters lady until she gets covered in slime? Who knows? I do know if in the current runs of the comics that... Uh, that cheetah looks really cool and is going to require a lot of cgi it's not a makeup character we're not talking a halle berry halle berry catwoman costume this would take some some cg and some acting chops and and who knows i i don't know that Kristen wig can't do it. it does make me wonder how serious the movie would be uh but you know we'll give it a chance and we haven't even seen anything this is just a well, name being brought up and a, a character I thought, I think, I think, I know, I want Cheetah to be the villain of Wonder Woman 2. I think that's a great choice. So, yeah, why not? If Patty Jenkins has her eye, you know, she did such a good job with the first movie. Maybe she knows something that we don't. Also, there was a first look at the costume for the Shazam movie. Of course, it came from some asshole on the set. It couldn't find a good camera angle. I dig seeing the cape and what looks to be uh, faithful to the material design, but I just feel bad for everyone involved on the project. You know, having having this first look. And I guess it gives me a little glimmer of hope for a film coming out of the DCFU that hasn't been doing too hot. Yes, this picture has a jingle all the way vibe. But Sinbad wasn't in the photo anywhere. And there's nothing that can be done about it. We're just going to have to wait until official photos surface. The movie's not premiering until April 5th of next year. And, and, and there was nothing about that that I was just like, oh, I just I really don't like these. You know, somebody just trying to to get their 10 seconds of fame or whatever by just throwing up some bad photo some bad you know, everybody knows you don't take photos from down below it's just a, not a flattering angle always from above so asshole face who took that shazam picture next time get a better angle you know there's people that work hard on these movies and there's people who really want to see and we realize you just didn't want to get fired but hopefully you got fired anyways because you're an asshat other DC news, we got the Todd Phillips standalone Joker movie. Apparently, there's a rumor that it's going to start filming on May 1st. I'm not going to hold my breath too much since in a recent interview with Joaquin Phoenix, he acted like he had no clue about the movie or playing Joker. We don't know. He could be punking us. He could be trying to have some secrecy. We really don't know. You only know what you hear and what you're told. But uh, that doesn't bode too well for, for a standalone Joker movie. If the actor that everybody's been talking about playing the Joker doesn't even really talk about it, uh, yeah, it can't really be that big a secret. I don't, I don't know. Maybe Martin Scorsese was like, "If you talk about this movie, I will whack you like the movies that I make." So, Mister Phoenix, if you don't want to end up like your brother, mum's the word when it comes to the Joker. Because <laughs> he would throw the evil Joker laugh in there.
Although that doesn't sound like the evil Joker laugh. It's just a bad evil clown laugh. And I apologize. But that's all the DC news. So let's just move on to some Marvel. If you didn't see, there was a new trailer for Cloak and Dagger. This is the show that's going to be on Freeform on Thursday starting June 7th. It looks cool. It shows Olivia Holt, who's playing Tandy Bowen, a.k.a. Dagger, and then Aubrey Joseph's Tyrone Johnson, a.k.a. Cloak. They're basically side-by-side side in their different circumstances. Uh, they split the screen, so you just wonder how these two very different people are going to find themselves thrust together and then wonder how many people actually wish that pun I just said was intended. Um, it looks cool. Definitely fits the younger market, as in teenage college-age viewers of Marvel television like The Runaways on Hulu. Definitely interested. I thought the trailer was was neat, and I would say check it out. In fact, if I can remember, I may actually throw the trailer up on Laugh It Up Fuzzballs for all of you. We also got, as of today, Black Panther's box office is over $435 million domestically, $800 million worldwide. Heck yeah for Afro-futuristic domination of the movie market, and a movie that culturally has meant so much to so many. Bravo to everyone involved. And I, ju I just point that out because I just wanted to... To segue over to Ryan Coogler wrote this really great thank you, like thanking the fans and thanking his cast and thanking his staff. And it was just a really classy thing. It's just a one-page thank you. He posted it up on Twitter for everybody to see. I retweeted that thank you letter on my Twitter, at Wookie Riot. That's Wookie with two E's if you want to see the letter. But I just think that's classy, and I wanted to mention it. I think that's super cool. A guy, a guy that raised himself up by his bootstraps from Oakland has made three really good movies, one of which is an amazing Marvel, African, Afrofuturistic superhero movie highlighting all the amazingness it is, King T'Challa and the world of Wakanda, and then just has the class to write that thank you. I feel like a lot of people don't say thank yous, and that's it's neat to see, to see Ryan doing so. Also, just other Black Panther news, if you didn't hear, the composer for Black Panther apparently scored a four-hour director's cut. And you may say, we're, we're never going to see the director's cut. Well, I would I would probably actually disagree with you because if the, the person scoring it actually scores all four hours, you don't spend that money on, on someone with musical talent in, unless you actually have have the, the idea of putting out that entire director's cut. Apparently, there's like five hours of footage um, for the entire movie. And, and it just means when that movie comes out on Blu-ray and DVD, we may actually get like a really, really big, big version. The The composer for the movie is Ludwig Göransson. And, and yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's sort of cool. So in your future, there could be four hours of Wakandan goodness. Wakanda goodness? Yeah, that's what I said. Wakanda goodness. That kind. But uh, we got news about Infinity War. Might actually end up being the longest runtime of any Marvel film so far. Two hours and 30 minutes. And I say that's probably not long enough for for part one of, of two movies that are going to wrap up this phase of, of all the superhero movies. is going to be the 20th, you know, 19th and 20th movies in this entire series. Yeah. Yeah, it should be long. It has everybody, it has everybody and their mom. In fact, if my mom might be in this movie and I might not be because she's pretty cool. My mom is pretty cool. But uh, we got a, I mentioned a little bit of the Twitter stuff when we were talking about the night girl, you know, and I mentioned Kevin Smith. 
being sick and having the heart attack, which is really sad. But uh, if you didn't see on Twitter, Chris Pratt, who you know, would know a Star-Lord from the Guardians movie, actually put up a comment just about, you know, there's praying for, for Kevin Smith, even though he didn't know, know him that well, and asked other people to pray with him. And then the, the Twitterverse, as it does, sometimes gets retarded and stupid, and everybody blows up and talks about him. And people people don't like that idea. I'm, I'm not going to push religion down anybody's throat, but just... Stop being such asshats on on the Twitterverse, I guess. But what, what I did like was that James Gunn came came uh not really to his defense because he even said that Chris Pratt is a grown man and could defend himself. But he just he didn't like that everybody was all all ticked off about it. And in like a nine part, so nine separate twits, had a lot to say about it. And uh, I just I just thought that was cool. I like that. I like James Gunn standing up for one of his friends. And then uh, James Gunn Twitter on fire last week too. A uh, fan actually uh, said to James Gunn that he, maybe he should find a role for Mark Hamill in Guardians 3. And, and James Gunn says, you know, hey, we both, me and Mark Hamill live in Malibu. We could just have coffee. And then somehow Mark Hamill gets in there and like, I'm an unemployed actor. We should do coffee. And it leads to uh, to Mark Hamill finding out what a DM is. And then presumably coffee for the two about the possibility of Mark Hamill being in the next Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And what the what? Wow. That that is cool stuff. Good good stuff on Twitter. Bad stuff on Twitter. Social media is not all bad. And just speaking of Guardians, just because it's on the top of my mind, real quick, I just gotta throw some shame, shame, shame on the poster for Seven Guardians of the Tomb. I actually was looking for uh, movie trailers and noticed I was like, is there no? What is this Guardians of the Galaxy looking poster? Literally, it is this movie. Obviously, trying to misdirect people. Seven Guardians of the Tomb. No idea what the movie is about. Literally using the font of Guardians of the Galaxy and the way their posters look. Trying to confuse people about going to see another Guardians thing. And I, I guess it, they're just letting it happen. But I just want to throw a little shame on it. You can uh, you can find it if you look up the, the poster. Sort of, sort of, maybe, uh, just like, do your own thing. Do your own thing. Don't copy. Don't copy, friends. I guess everyone's like, Wookie, your your podcast is derivative of, of so many other uh, geek podcasts. We're going need you to be uh, more original. <laughs> I'm like, go fuck yourself. This is my podcast. This is my voice. This is my personality. This is me doing my thing. And this is you talking to Wookie late at night, right before I'm going to bed. So sorry. I'm a little little off my rocker, I suppose. We got other Marvel news. Captain Marvel screenwriter Geneva Robertson. Dewaret, it's D-W-O-R-E-T. Apologies if I said that wrong, ma'am. But uh says the, the film Captain Marvel is going to actually be more like an action comedy. Don't before anyone goes crazy about that idea, you know, it falls in line with other movies. Ant-Man was an action comedy, really. It was a heist film as well. But I, I liked on the article that I read that the, the writer was pointing out how sassy and take no shit from anyone Carol Danvers is in the comics. Just how often she is a funny character because of those character traits and who she is. I think it shows an attention to detail to the spirit of the comics. Makes me actually more excited for this this adventure in the world of Kree and Scrolls with the two-eyed Nick Fury and then the return of Samuel J. Bad Mother Mother Truckin' Bad Mofo Jackson. I think it's really exciting. There was a little bit of other news. Apparently there's some casting. Gemma Chan, who you may know from AMC's Humans. I uh, I haven't watched Humans, but I actually have seen the posters for that. She is one of the actresses they use for the posters. But they have announced her as Captain Minerva, who, if you don't know who that is, is a villain from the Kree world where Captain Marvel is going to be going in the movie. And, uh, yeah, sounds cool. She is also an Asian actress. So, yay for diversity. 
And, uh, oh, wow, well, I guess we're going back to the Twitterverse. James Gunn, once again, as if he wasn't done. Uh, you, you look it up, but if you didn't hear, Baby Groot is the son of real Groot. And uh, I'll just let that sink in and let your mind go a little crazy. Some of my friends on, on Facebook were going a little wild about it. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to me because Groot died in Guardians, I think. I watched that movie, but maybe he got reincarnated. But no, we didn't. You just know his little offshoot. That's how they make babies. They're single-cell organisms that just break off and make babies. And it really doesn't bother me all that much because I had to deal with that emotion of Groot dying when we are Groot. I saw I saw that movie. I saw, I've seen it a bunch of times lately, actually. And then you get his son, Baby Groot. And uh, sorry if I just changed your world perspective. Also, Chris Evans talking in interviews about a Black Widow movie. Not talking details, but it's just important that Captain America is talking about the Black Widow movie, meaning leading a lot of people, including myself, to believe that this movie is it's happening. They're they're working on scripts. They're gonna figure it out. They're finally gonna do their Black Widow movie, and good, good, great, grand. Everybody on the Black Widow bus, yes, Marvel. They're they're doing things. They've blocked out dates for their upcoming movies beyond 2020 already. It looks like uh, they're they're gonna do three a year. That's the model that we got this year, and it's a thing. Uh, fans can look forward to to movies coming well beyond the movies that we know about in 2019 and 2020. They gave they actually gave some dates. Um, July 31st, 2020. We got May 7th, July 30th, and November 5th, 2021. February 18th, May 6th, and July 29th, 2022. And uh, we know two of those movies are going to be Guardians of the Galaxy 3, because that's all based on James Gunn talk. And then, of course, we're going to get another Black Panther movie. I mean, come on, friends. It's made so much money. It was a good movie. We're going to get more. Of course, next year, we've got Captain Marvel and Avengers 4, and the sequel to Spider-Man Homecoming is coming out July 2019. And then, although there's only one date in 2020, I'm sure there's going to be two other movies in that year if they're doing the three a year. And it's exciting news. They're, they're just not stopping. Uh, of course, Avengers 4 is going to end this round of all the Marvel goodness. But then we'll, we'll see what happens beyond that. And of course, you know, WB and DC are not the only people doing all the superhero goodness. We also have Sony doing stuff and Fox doing stuff for now until, of course, Disney and Fox are one. But in that vein, there, there's other news. If you didn't hear Silver and Black, which was going to be in the Spider-Man universe done by Sony, it's been delayed indefinitely. Don't have any more information than that, but just apparently that movie, it, it could happen later, but for now it's not. Uh, Fox also uh, is doing their X-Men Dark Phoenix movie. If you heard me mention Scrolls when I talked about Captain Marvel, yeah, they're going to be in that. They're also going to be in X-Men Dark Phoenix, which is a movie coming out this year too. So yeah, if you've been waiting your entire life to see scrolls in a movie you'll wait no further friends and you don't have to die once you see scrolls in two movies one in the fox universe once in the marvel cinematic universe but you're you're gonna get scrolls so november 2nd of this year when dark phoenix comes out you're gonna get scrolls and then that following spring you're gonna get some captain marvel scrolls and they're they're not gonna have anything to do with each other most likely but they're gonna have ridges in their chins because scrolls have ridges much like Pringles. <laughs> also, uh, the Hollywood Reporter just reporting that Fox isn't slowing down on its superhero properties any, even though they're doing that Disney merger. Nothing certain yet. So you've got Tim Miller's untitled Kitty Pride movie. Noah Hawley is still working on a Doctor Doom movie. Brian K. Vaughn, who comics what he's probably know from Saga and Why the Last Man, working on a script for a Silver Surfer movie. 
Additionally, there's a search underway for a new Gambit director with a new script, new script expected maybe as early as March. We've got uh, New Mutants doing reshoots, adding a new character. That film has been moved and slated for February 22nd of next year. And there's an X-Force movie directed by Drew Goddard. Rumors that Ryan Reynolds and Josh uh, Brolin are going to be in the movie as uh, Deadpool and Cable, respectively. Goal to start filming an X-Force movie in October. And then there's there's word that the studio is actually planning three X-Men movies for 2019 and another three X-Men movies for 2020. So, yeah, they're, they're not slowing down the train. We'll see what happens when it officially is part of Disney. But for now, lots, lots of movies coming. What, Kitty Pride? I'm counting on my fingers. This is a listening show, but Kitty Pride's one. Doctor Doom's two. Silver Surfer would be three. New Mutants is four. Five, six in 2019. Seven, eight, nine in 2020. And then X-Force movies. So we're probably getting something like six to seven movies coming out from Fox if Disney doesn't slow them down. If they decide maybe that there's an R-rated X-Men universe out there. An X-rated R-Man universe. No, friends on R-rated X-Men universe. But yeah, Fox is still working all that. Also, having nothing to do with Fox or Sony or WB or Disney, we got the Charles Burns Eisner Award-winning 12-issue graphic novel Black Hole actually being adapted by dope director Rick Famuyiwa. I haven't read the book about the mutation causing STD, but I know people will really dig it. I saw some pokes at DC from the director Famuyiwa. Um, he left the director's chair of DC's Flash movie. You could look his up, stuff up on the Twitterverse. This, this could be interesting, and for once it'd be a comic movie not geared towards a long TV series or a universe of films. It's just a 12-issue graphic novel, so just one movie, and uh, it could could be really cool. Got a little bit of comic book news. If you didn't hear, Brian Michael Bendis is doing uh, Superman and Action Comics up in the future. I actually have both of those on my pull list. As well as Jason Aaron is going to be doing a new Thor run, but also taking over the Avengers. So, so new artists or writers doing different stuff. Of course, Bendis moved from Marvel to DC, and I'm really excited he's going to be writing Superman because I enjoy those comics. And Jason Aaron has been killing it on Thor with, uh, with different incarnations of Thor, and it's exciting that he's going to be doing that, plus also be moving over to doing the Avengers. And then there's just a couple other geeky items I wrote down. My my obvious geekdom centers around the live-action superhero stuff, but there there is other news in the world of geek. Disney's upcoming streaming service apparently is going to have a Muppets reboot. <laughs> That's right. A Muppets reboot. I am so excited. Like, Rolf is going to be like, hey, why don't, why don't you film my cameo? And then it's just him asleep in a hammock. And then Fozzie is going to be all waka waka. And then you're going to get yeah, Kermit the Frog here. That's a bad Kermit. But uh, he sings about uh, rainbows and why there's so many songs about them. And what's on the other side. And then Kermit! Miss Piggy shows up sounding a lot like Yoda. And then you're going to get Gonzo the Great who loves chickens. And, and I'm a big, 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 big fuzzy hominid. Who loves the Muppets? Actually, actually enjoyed the little show that was like a take on The Office that was on for for one season, and uh, I I say yes, please, more Muppets, and uh, and figure it out, and give me one more reason to spend my money on this streaming service. Also, another show apparently Disney Junior is gonna begin uh, or has begun production 
on the Rocketeer as an animated adventure. They won it for kids like age two to seven. It is inspired by Dave Stevens' comic book, uh, but set to premiere in 2019. And instead of following the regular Rocketeer, it's going to follow Kit, a young girl who gets a, a package for her birthday, which is the legendary Rocketeer's back pack rocket pack that's gonna allow her to fly and um yeah and then and we'll see that she'll get a secret identity and she'll do her thing i guess she's gonna have a, a best friend who knows gadgets and then her uncle's an airplane mechanic and she's gonna have epic adventures and uh yeah yeah it's interesting i don't know if it's gonna be set during world war ii or what but uh i i enjoy the rocketeer i i like that movie i haven't read a ton of the comics but i like the character and yes yes please also, we got, uh, if you didn't hear, you know, Jurassic World 2 is actually coming. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. But they're they're already talking about a second freaking movie before the, the, or a third movie before the second one even comes out. Jurassic World 3, they already have a date. June 21st, 2021, Colin Trevorrow and Pacific Rim Uprising scriptwriter Emily Carmichael are working on the script already. And they're ready for Jurassic World 3. So they're that, that train's going. And, and I'm probably going to see Jurassic World 2, Fallen Kingdom. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom. But uh, yeah. But I'll tell you what. A movie I am going to see, which comes out in November, which had a new trailer. Our last little item in Flavor of the Geek. The trailer for Ralph Breaks the Internet. Wreck-It Ralph 2. And oh my goodness, did I enjoy the hell out of this trailer. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it at all. I'm going to tell you, I did put the trailer up. On the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs Facebook group. It's a closed group, but you just ask to join, and anybody in the group can say yes. Really easy. Add your friends. There's like 233 of us now, although we would love more. More, more, more people on there. But uh, I, I put up these things. The trail looks great. You can also look it up on your own. If you don't want to go on the Facebook group, you can go on your own little internet search, check it, Wreck It Ralph 2. Just stop. <laughs> Careful with bunnies. Careful with bunnies, because bunnies get the cake. And, and sometimes, sometimes there is such a thing as too much cake for the bunny. Just saying. But uh, it's, it's a really good, uh, really good trailer. And I agree that the Velvet Kitten is staring into my soul. But we're going to leave Flavor of the Geek. Go over real quick to the small screen Star Wars sci-fi superhero synopsis. Not a lot of television, actually. There was, uh, because of the Olympics, a little bit of a break. So I actually only watched a couple shows. Next week, though, have no fear. We'll be back with all of the shows which came back this week i've already started watching some of them but we'll talk about walking dead season 8 episode 9 honor yes walking dead is back yes i'm still watching the show after being hot pissed at the way they ended at the mid-season finale um but they they did a good episode considering everything that went down in episode 8 all centers on dealing with repercussions for the survivors of alexandria especially carl and then what's going down for king ezekiel and morgan and carol in the kingdom um, I wonder if it proves how much I've disconnected from the show that we had such a heartfelt episode full of emotion and it didn't move me to feel any way, but it was a good episode. I'm dangerously close to spoiler territory, or wanting to talk about spoilers, so I'll just say, if you still give a rip about The Walking Dead, it was a solid episode. I have no clue where everything's going to go. I fear it's nowhere good. There's definitely stakes, but things are no bueno for the people in the zombie apocalypse trying to fight Negan and the saviors, and 
Also, this episode had no Negan. It's basically a spark of hope in a show that lately seems hopeless and and just about murderizing other people rather than dealing with zombies. Seriously, the dead are lately just ancillary set dressing. It's just what new cool zombie decay makeup or situation they could show. I miss when the show was less decomposed, but I suppose I'm going to keep watching it since I've invested so much time already into it. If I had to put my finger on thoughts, I think we could be headed for, for an awful ending. Think Dexter... At least the trippy future visions that were earlier in the season finally make sense. Uh, it's going to be a to-be-continued. Uh, it was a good episode. Uh, A-level a, a stuff. Quality stuff. But maybe too little too late. And also, I'm still mad at the decision that they made at the end of episode 8. So, uh, I'll, I'll watch more. I haven't given up on it yet. But, uh, yeah, it was actually... <laughs> see, it sucks because I, I thought it was a good episode. I would see what people would like it. But I've heard that it got its lowest ratings ever. And I think a lot of people feel like me. It's just like, you know what? It's, sorry, friends. It's over. Uh, I did actually watch one other thing. I watched uh, two episodes of Rebels. We had episode season four, episode 12, titled Wolves and a Door. And episode 13, A World Between Worlds. Like episode 12, Dave Filoni is just like, damn right, I'm going to start this episode with a loath wolf and a loath cat watching the Rebels plan to save the Jedi Temple on Lothal. And then we're going to ride wolves to our destination. Well, everyone except Chopper and uh, the way he travels makes me laugh. And there's a great flashback sequence to fill the mystery time of how the wolves travel. You get Jedi pictograms and the mystery of what the Empire is after. Then a voice to give you chills. Then you've got a little bit of Mortis from the Clone Wars. And yes, now I feel the need to go back and watch some Clone Wars episodes to watch that three-episode Mortis arc. There's a conduit between the living and the dead. Maybe even Force Ghost Kanan. Maybe not. And there's just strange forces at work in a door. And and then when there's stuff that happens, then you're just like, what the what? While these are two separate episodes, episode 12 and episode 13 are basically a two-parter. Episode 13, A World Between Worlds. Where How to talk about this episode without spoiling anything. You've got some voices that you hear. Some Yoda, Obi-Wan, Kanan. They're not in there, but you do hear their voices. So many different lines of dialogue. You can actually go on. If Once you watch this episode, you can go see all the different lines of dialogue from all over the Star Wars universe that are actually heard in this episode. This is the kind of episode you could just watch way too many times and not catch everything. There's a weird force out from the Mortis episodes. The Vader versus Ahsoka fight finally shown. Plus things really get timey-wimey and weird. And, and, and there's so many spoilers I just want to avoid. So let me be brief and say I thought this episode was so worth watching. Cosmic Force stuff. Tough lessons and emotions to boot. A heck of an ending. Beautiful stuff, friends. So dang good. Some really some really interesting things to talk about. But it's it still feels fresh and I don't want to spoil it because I know you may not have seen it. Uh, so yeah. Check it out. But that... That really is all the television to talk about. Uh, there's a couple comics that I read. I actually, uh, a couple trades that I picked up way back Christmas time. I read Final Crisis. It collects uh, Final Crisis issues 1 to 7, Superman Beyond 1 to 2, Submit number 1, and Batman issues 682 and 683. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of artistic talent who contributed. We got Grant Morrison as a writer for it all, but artists including J.G. Jones, Doug Monkey, Carlos Pacheca, Matthew Clark. Jesus Marino, Marco Rudy, Christian Alami, Tom Wynn, Drew Gracchi, Norm Rapman, Rodney Ramos, Walden Wong, Derek Friedolfs, Rob Hunter, Mark Arwin, Don Ho, Lee Garbett, and Trevor Scott. Colorists include Alex Sinclair, Tony Avina, Pete Pantazis, Richard, and Tanya Hori, and then Guy Major. 
lots and lots of talented people contributing to an event that I've always wanted to read. Always heard people talk about Final Crisis and actually never read the pages. So I finally got around to it. And that being said, I was kind of disappointed by it all. Uh, that says something since I usually love whatever I read in comics to varying degrees. This is a weird, weird book. And I know we're dealing with the fourth world characters created by Jack Kirby. But this comic is strange at times. Sometimes I actually found it a little hard to follow. Have you ever heard about the Batman facing off Dark Side stuff or Return of Barry Allen or the Anti-Life Equation? And this is a book that's being referenced. Uh, there, there's some really great stuff in it, though. It's not all bad. Black Lightning gets some love in the book. All the evil baddies of Apocalypse feature in a story, but it's all centered on Earth, so it's different. Some surprising deaths, lots of action. The Batman issues in the book are the best part, dealing with a timeline of sorts for Batman, centering around Alfred's involvement. You get Superman in Limbo, dealing with orrery stuff, which is pretty cool. Uh, that, those are the Superman Beyond episodes, if you're curious. I think the issue is I say orrery, and you're probably like, what the hell is that? And it's, it's a new idea, or at least it was new to me, spans beyond the multiverse, introduces new types of characters, and it was just a little wonky, wasn't able to wrap my brain completely around it. I, I didn't hate the read, but I, I wouldn't hand this issue by any means to a newbie if somebody was not you know, aware of all the characters, because even me, pretty steeped in all this comic stuff, I was just like, whoa whoa they really grant morrison really swung for the fences here there's some different stuff in the book for wonder woman and the shazam family heroes mr terrific's in it mr miracle uh different mr miracle than i'm used to but has a cool part to play tons more heroes and, and villains involved because the stakes and this is the fate of earth and ultimately all 52 earths in the multiverse a bonus is if you like tons of variations of superman including a german version yeah a german version uberman this book is not going to disappoint I give it a B plus on my first pass, but I hope to talk to a bunch of my geeky friends about it, come to terms with everything I read. It's really worth checking out. The art is really nice. I really enjoyed the art. Bonus, Frankenstein's in the book, so you know I'm not completely unhappy, but it just, I guess, like, every, because everybody talks about Final Crisis so much, I just expected one thing, and I got something a little different. doesn't mean it was bad. I'm glad I own it, and it's definitely a book I'll reread at some point. Also read uh, just one more trade, Green Lantern, the Sinestro Corps Wars. Over the last couple years, I've become a bigger fan of all the uber-galactic space war stuff that comes with reading Green Lantern stories. I blame Blue for uh, for getting me into all the Green Lantern goodness, but I've wanted to read this book since I devoured Blackest Night. This collects all 12 issues of the story. Writers here are Jeff Johns, Dave Gibbons, and Peter J. Tomasi. Once again, we're going to have tons of artists. Pencilers are Ethan Van Skyver, Ivan Reese, Patrick Gleason, Angel Unzueta, Pascal Alix, Dustin Wynn, and Jamal Igle. Inkers include Ethan Van Skyver, Eau Claire Albert, Prentice Rollins, Drew Garaki, Vincente Cifuentes, Julio Ferreira, Ronnie Ramos, Rob Hunter, Mario Laquiza, Jerry Ordway, Rod Reese, Derek Friedolf, Tom Wynn, Dan Davis, and Rebecca Buchman, or Buckman. Colorist. Moose Bauman, Guy Major, Rod Reese, David Curiel, and J.D. Smith. And lots and lots of talented people on a really good book. This is everything you would want from a book telling how Sinestro started the Yellow Lion Corps of Fear. You got Hal Jordan, Guy Gardner, John Stewart, and Kyle Rayner. All here, plus a ton of other Green Lanterns like Kilowog, Sadamia, Aresia, Mogo, and more. Ganthet plays a pivotal role, which leads to future spectrums of Light Lanterns in the future. If you've read Blackest Night, this is a... A book that's going to lead that way basically the the four green lanterns of earth are are the main characters but every everybody gets some love here and then of course sinestro is not the only villain you get a uh, 
other yellow lanterns like Arkillo, literally the guy has kill in his name. And then, you know, spoilers, skip like 10 seconds if you don't want to know who the big, other big bads are. But you got Parallax, Cyborg Superman, Superboy Prime, Manhunt, and even the freaking Anti-Monitor. It's Cuckoo Pants crazy and awesome. Battles in space, space, battles on Earth, battles all over. I think my favorite stuff involves all the extra villains you wouldn't think would feature in all this. But I love how the writers, you know, remember that that these characters were locked in the science cells of Oa and, and, and then put some to good use. If you're looking for a good story, this is not going to fail you in any way. There's actually some really great stuff for Hank Hangshaw, a.k.a. Cyborg Superman. I should mention that this is the second tale in a trilogy. Starts with Green Lantern Rebirth, ends with Blackest Night. But A-plus storytelling and art here. Jeff Johns doesn't write all of it, but you know, you can usually never go wrong with a story told by Jeff Johns, and the, the entire beat, I, as I understand it, comes from the mind of Jeff Johns, and then is told by some of his other friends who are capable. I really enjoyed the hell out of it, certainly good. But that is all the comics, uh, we'll just move to just a little bit of Star Wars news, I say a little bit, but I think there's a bunch of this, but it's Let the Wookiee Win, where we talk about Star Wars. If you didn't hear, there's actually rumor that uh, EA is going to be losing the exclusive Star Wars gaming rights. Like they've done Battlefront 1 and 2, but there is rumor that other they might lose it and other companies could get that. And I think, I'm not a big gamer, but I think that might be a good thing. I've heard a lot of my friends be uh, be a little bit upset about all the all the stuff that's happened with Battlefront. So, so why not? We also, if you like toys, I love toys. There's new Hasbro Star Wars toys coming Lots and lots of stuff, but just some things that I thought looked really cool. There was a Dr. Aphra Black Series figure that I really, really want to own. There was a Nerf Blaster. Uh, that I really want that. Even though it's orange, I want, th- I want to buy two so me and my kids can play. There was a reproduction of the Z6 Riot Control Baton. So you can hold it in your hand and yell, Traitor! at your friends before you get in a fight. There's the, oh my goodness, the ultimate co-pilot Chewie. This is basically just like, uh, remember Teddy Ruxpin from when we were kids? Yeah, it's it's just this, this beautiful, you know, animatronic Chewbacca with blue eyes and a hundred different movement or responses to things that you do. And it, it does all the Wookiee noises. And uh, it's, it's gorgeous and amazing and costs way too much money. And uh, I want it. I want it now. I want the co-pilot Chewie. I mean, I could just podcast right here. I could start doing video podcasts of me and an ultimate co-pilot Chewie doing uh, laughing at fuzzballs. And it would always be laughing at fuzzballs because it would be the two of us. Uh, also, you know, we got Han Solo toys coming out. So who doesn't want a three-and-a-half-inch Lando, right? Donald Glover's Lando wearing that beautiful yellow shirt. We we all want that in our lives. And speaking of Star Wars toys, just uh, I guess I should mention on Netflix there's a show called The Toys That Made Us, and the very first episode is all about uh, Kenner doing doing the the Star Wars toys and how it went over to Hasbro and what the history is behind it and how the money worked and uh, all the toys you would remember from when you were a kid. Take that little trip down nostalgia memory lane and just be like, oh, I wanted all those toys. I wanted them all in my life. Oh, I wish I still had them. I wonder how much they were worth. And uh, yeah, just seeing seeing kids play with the gigantic money of Falcon and seeing the old commercials and seeing how they figured out how to make the toys and interviews from the guys that actually had a big part there. And it, it's just so cool. It's on Netflix. It's called The Toys That Made Us. And uh, episode one, Star Wars. And I didn't watch episode two, but I can tell you the very beginning was talking about Barbie having nipples or something. And I, then I was like, I have to go back to homework. I have to. But uh, that was a really good episode all about Star Wars. 
Um, the only other thing to talk about Star Wars that I have here, I actually put it up on the Laugh It Up Fuzzballs Facebook group, but the, the Solo A Star Wars Story Sabotage Trailer Recut. Proving that uh, that fans can often make better trailers than uh, the... I actually enjoyed both the, the solo trailers, the Super Bowl trailer and the one that dropped the next day on Good Morning America. I enjoyed both of them, but the recut was done well. And it just sort of proves that uh, everything is better with the Beastie Boys sabotage behind it. <laughs> so it uh, it's really good. If you didn't see it yet, check it out on Laugh It Up Fuzzballs, the, the Facebook group. Uh, like I said before, it's a closed group, really easy to join or check it out as you do on the internet. I think I've already said that before too. But friends, I think that wraps up everything. Thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, thanks for being classy. You know all the ways. There's like I've said several times on the podcast, the Laugh It Up Fuzzball's Facebook group. There is laughitupfuzzball.net, which is the website you can drop comments there. Uh, there's what else? Uh, laughitupfuzzballpodcast at gmail.com. That is an email that comes straight to me. Definitely, you can reach me that way. I might even put it on my Twitter. Go crazy like like somebody working for WB's DC division. At uh, Wookie Riot, W-O-O-K-I-E-E-R-I-O-T. That's uh, Twitter and Instagram. And just, man, thanks for being here. May the force be with us all. Uh, be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes. And, and TTFN, Wookie out. I'll be back next week. I will. I'll be back next week. Maybe even before Friday. This was a crazy week. I I, I won't even get into it. There's lots of stuff, including the funeral. Uh, so don't worry. Everybody in my family's good. But it was crazy midterms next week. So, yeah. Sorry. Thanks for dealing with me. But uh, we'll, we'll keep getting these episodes up. Friday's not too bad. And you only had to wait a week. So I didn't feel too bad. In fact, next week, there I said funeral. There is some more stuff that has to be done. So on Tuesday, you might actually get a bonus ode. Of, um, of the last comic book defenders that I recorded with Blue. And then you'll probably get the full episode up on Thursday or Friday. Might actually be what happens. We shall see. But uh, thanks, friends. Thanks for stopping by. We'll, we'll uh, talk to you all later. TTFN. Wookie out.